Opposition, whether outward persecution or spiritual resistance, is an opportunity. God often puts obstacles in your path to give you an opportunity to proclaim the gospel more widely and more boldly. What we see in the experience of the early church gives us unique insight into God's providential workings. God works in the same way today. This is the wisdom journey. Stephen called this lesson, Simon the Sorcerer. As you can imagine, the amazing growth of the Jerusalem church has literally enraged the religious leadership there in Jerusalem. Some of the apostles have been beaten, told to remain silent. The church has been threatened. And now most recently, the religious leaders approved the stoning to death of Stephen. Now, after his death, we're told here in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Now, back in uh, chapter 7, as that mob is preparing to stone Stephen to death, verse 58 says that they laid down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Well, now here in chapter 8 and verse 3, we learn that Saul, who's later going to be converted and become the Apostle Paul, he's going to take the lead in this persecution that has now broken out in earnest. Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, as horrific as this is, keep in mind that before his ascension, Jesus told his disciples They're going to be his witnesses. Where? In Jerusalem? (laughs) That's not it. In all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So as this persecution is ignited here in Jerusalem, according to verse 4, we're told, those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Where? Go back to verse 1. Throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And I want to say that, beloved, because... I want to say this, Satan's attempt to silence the church simply scattered the seed to regions beyond. Now, the rest of chapter 8 is going to focus on the ministry of the gospel in Samaria. Remember, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Uh, They had perpetuated centuries, frankly, centuries of resentment and, and prejudice. But the gospel has the power to eliminate prejudice. Let me tell you, you don't need a government program. You don't need better education or more money to fix this problem. What you need is a converted heart. And let me tell you, a heart filled with the Holy Spirit won't have any room for this kind of hatred. Now, verse 5 here tells us that Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ, that is, the Messiah. Now, This is not Philip the Apostle. Verse 2 tells us that the apostles remained in Jerusalem. This is Philip the deacon from chapter 6, one of the seven men selected to serve the widows. And just like his fellow deacon Stephen, Philip's commitment to Christ leads him to a wider preaching ministry opportunity. 
Verse 6 tells us that the Samaritans who gathered to hear Philip preach with one accord paid attention to what was being said. Now, his ministry is also accompanied by those those special apostolic powers that included healings and the casting out of demons. Remember, these signs and wonders acted as authenticating credentials of God's messengers before the New Testament was completed. But don't miss this. It isn't the miracles that bring about faith in Christ. It is the preaching of the gospel of Christ. In fact, verse 12 says, They believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. And as a result, we read here in verse 8, There was much joy in that city. Well, it's not going to take long before Satan's going to come along and attempt to destroy this genuine work of the Holy Spirit. It's going to masquerade it with something fake, fraudulent. And now we're introduced to a slick showman, a manipulative man who, who just sort of wants in on the action. Verse 9, there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. And they all paid attention to him, from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the power of God that is called great. Well, these aren't little magic tricks. The word magic actually refers to sorcery and occult arts, which Simon used to impress people and and gain a following. This sorcery included conjuring demons, supposedly conversing with the dead, influencing the gods, uh, providing people with incantations and charms that they could supposedly use for healing. All, all that to say, beloved, Simon, he, he's, he's, he's the biggest show in town. Well, here comes Philip. Philip is performing genuine miracles, obviously empowered by a, a powerful God. Simon, he, he walks down the aisle, so to speak. He signs the card. He professes faith in Christ, and he gets baptized. What do you know? It looks like the local witch doctor just got saved. Well, Luke shifts the camera over to another event rather suddenly before returning back to Simon. Uh, Here in verses 14 through 17, we're told, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, for he had not yet fallen on any of them. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, don't get confused here. As we said in our study of Acts chapter 2, every believer in Jesus Christ today receives the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation and is permanently indwelt by him. At this point, however, the church, remember, is, is still in this transitional period where believers are moving away from the temporary Old Testament empowering of the Holy Spirit to the permanent New Testament indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So, during this transition period represented by the book of Acts, the Spirit is being withheld from the Samaritan believers until Peter and John arrive and pray for them. And this this delay is going to make it clear that what's happening to them is connected with the apostles of Jesus Christ. They're joining the church that began in Jerusalem. So the church is one body made up of both Jews and Gentiles, 
but led by one Spirit. So, connecting the indwelling Holy Spirit to the hands of the apostles confirms the gospel foundation of unity in Jesus Christ. Now, let's go back to Simon the sorcerer. He witnesses the Holy Spirit being given through Peter and John, and his true heart is now exposed in verse 19 as he says to them, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And he even offers them money to purchase this ability. Let me tell you, beloved, Simon is like so many false preachers and teachers today, supposed miracle workers today. He he really doesn't want the master. He wants the miracle. He's not coveting the Savior. He just wants the miraculous sign. Well, well, Peter doesn't hold back. He responds here in verse 20. May your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. Wow. Well, let me tell you, uh, Simon professed faith in Christ and was baptized, but he had his own agenda. Even after Peter's rebuke, he expresses fear of God's judgment here in verse 24, but you might notice he doesn't repent. You see, Simon, he, he just wanted a little bit of God. He just wanted enough of God's Spirit to make him popular and powerful and even more comfortable. He didn't want to change in his life. I can't help but think of that little poem, I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please, just enough to equal a cup of warm milk, just enough to ease some of the pain from my guilt. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please, not enough to make me love a lesser man, not enough to change my heart. I can only stand just enough to take to church when I have the time, just enough to equal a snooze in the sunshine. I want the warmth of the womb, but not a new birth. You see, I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. Not enough to require change in me. Not enough to impose responsibility. Just enough to make folks think I'm okay. Just enough to get through another Sunday. I'd like to buy $3 worth of God, please. You know, I'm afraid there are a lot of people in the world and even in the church today who are like that. They want a little bit of God in their life, but not enough of God to change their life. Well, I pray that's not who you are today. Well, until we set sail again, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Stephen called this lesson, Simon the Sorcerer, here on The Wisdom Journey. Stephen Davey is the president of Wisdom International. If you haven't already, I invite you to join what we call Friends of Wisdom. 
Once you do, you're going to begin receiving resources from Stephen that'll help you walk wisely through life. Friends of Wisdom receive a weekly email. Stephen might send an encouraging article to help you better apply God's word to your life. Sometimes he answers a Bible question he received. At least once a month, our Friends of Wisdom receive a free resource. Joining Friends of Wisdom is both free and easy. All you need to do is visit wisdomonline.org forward slash friends. You'll answer a few questions, and that's it. You'll be signed up, and you'll start hearing from Stephen very soon. In fact, you're going to receive two free resources immediately just to thank you for signing up. Our next lesson will be released on Christmas Day. I hope you can be with us, and I wish you a very Merry Christmas.